We are in a, a series right now called the Relationship Playbook, where we're identifying key people in our lives and the roles that they should play. We've been using a sports analogy throughout this because in the game of life, none of us plays alone. And so we're talking about how we identify different relationships in our lives and, and how those relationships and, and proper expectations of those relationships can help us to become the people that God's calling us to be. Uh, on, a, on a personal note, just before we dive too far in here, the, uh, we wanted to share with you, my family had kind of a big event and it happened in our lives last week. Uh, we actually bought a home in Sylvania. <laughs> so. For those of you who have been uh, walking with us through some uh, past years of life here, this is a big step for us, and, and we're excited to be able to have that opportunity to, to move there. And You know, it's one thing for me to say I'm excited about what's going on at the church and what I see God doing here. It's one thing to say I'm excited about the, the possibilities and the opportunities I see in Sylvania and in Toledo and what, what's happening in our community. Uh, I don't know that there's any greater vote of, of affirmation that I can make than uh, signing... 8,000 times uh, <laughs> and saying we're all in. So excited about that and, uh, and for our family. But today, uh, last week, we looked at these relationships in our lives of fans and of cheerleaders. This week, we're going to be looking at referees and coaches. We're going to look at some verses from Proverbs and Matthew and Samuel, a number of places there. Let me share a story with you off the bat. I got a picture of myself uh, from a few months ago. Okay, a lot of months ago. Uh, this is me in college with a couple guys I did life with for um, for a number of years, a couple players beside me there. So this, uh, I did something every year I was in college after my freshman year. I got together with these guys and a number of others. We put on goofy t-shirts and we showed up to help freshmen move into dorms. Now, I'm not sure if you've done this or are looking ahead at doing this, but basically what happens is parents and grandparents pull semi-trailers up to the dorm and unload more stuff than their son or daughter college student will ever be able to use. And we were there to help them haul all this stuff up eight or ten stories of stairs. Uh, you can risk the elevator, but good luck with that. Uh, so we did this each year, and what, what we did was every, every now and then when we'd take people up and down, uh, a parent or grandparent would pull their wallet out and say, thank you so much for doing this, and they'd you know, hand us some money. And we did what every starving, poor college student would naturally do. No, thank you. (laughs) I was thinking back about this this week and thought, why in the world did we do that? What would motivate us to do such a a silly thing? Well, we had a coach in our life, a guy by the name of Dan, I'll mention a little later. We had a coach in our life who was helping us to figure out how to apply the Bible into our lives. And specifically, how to serve people when it didn't do us any good, but it was purely just helping another person around us. How to serve selflessly. And so we took his encouragement, his challenge to heart and put it into play in our lives. And our lives were better for it. Others' lives were better for it. What a coach does. Our big idea today, a minimal number of guiding relationships can have a maximum impact in your life. Choose them wisely. There's some notes in your in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. There's some blanks there for you to fill in. we got some notebooks outside if you want to track along with us and, and hang on to those notes. But the big idea today, a minimal number of guiding relationships can have a maximum impact in your life. Choose them wisely. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, 
Many advisors bring success. This is talking about just life in general. Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. So let's talk about referees for a minute here. Referees are people in our life who, who understand, who know the rules of the game, who understand the rules of the game, and they ensure unbiased adherence to the rules. This is a person who's dressed kind of like a zebra, or maybe with some other flashy, colorful shirt, who stands out on the field, who blows the whistle and runs around. They're, they're difficult to miss. They're people who are easily identified. There's fewer of these than cheerleaders or fans we talked about last year, or last, last week, sorry. These are, these are people who, who are easily recognizable. They are experts. But here's the thing. Referees are knowledgeable, but they're neutral. They're neither for you nor against you. They're experts on the details of the rules of the game, and they have one of the best vantage points for watching your game and how you're playing. But their only concern is whether or not your performance falls within the rules. Give you an example of this. In our lives, uh, when we were in Indianapolis, just a few years into marriage, we went to buy our first home. And we sat down with a mortgage guy, and we, uh, we were talking about what can we afford for a home. And he just looks back and says, I can pre-approve you for far more than you can ever afford. Thanks, I think. <laughs> I mean, he didn't have our best in mind with that statement. What he was telling us is, here are the guard rails, here are the rules, and I'm going to make sure that you operate within those rules. Well, let me give you a biblical example. Uh, Nathan, the prophet, in the book of 2 Samuel, was a, was a ref in David's life. This is a season where King David, overseeing all of the, the nation of Israel, is having a fairly successful run here, but things kind of get off the rails. He spots another man's wife who he'd like to, to have for his own, and so he sleeps with another man's wife, has that man's man killed so that he can marry his wife. And in the midst of things really going poorly, Nathan the prophet shows up in David's world as a ref. Listen to this from 2 Samuel 12, 9. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? This is Nathan talking to David. For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and have stolen his wife. Notice here, Nathan doesn't tell David what to do or not to do. He just tells him what's wrong. He walks in and he blows the whistle and tells David what has been done wrong and then goes on to share the consequences beyond that. Or I shared another example. I shared a few a few weeks ago about a story about when I got pulled over for speeding. That policeman played the role of a ref in my life. Right? I was there were rules, there was a speed limit. I was breaking them. He knew the rules. He had a good vantage point of me breaking them and he blew the whistle. Now here's the thing, was he right? Yeah. Was I wrong? Yeah. Did I like it? No. See, refs are not often liked. They're seldom liked, but they should be honored. It's easier to fall in love with fans or with cheerleaders that are in our lives because they're for us. They're excited about what's going on around us. The refs, oftentimes, the only time we interact with them is when we've done something wrong. And sometimes they're going to tell the whole world about it. There are some people whose sole purpose in life is to help keep you on the rails, to help define the rules and make sure you're walking walking with them. 
Now, our natural response when we're, when we're faced with refs in life is often pride or indifference. Right? A lot of times we want to say, well, I know the rules. I don't need that ref calling me on them. We want to kick them off the field of our life. We don't want to hear what they have to say. Or we're just indifferent. We'll hear them call the, blow the whistle, but just, eh, whatever. We won't really take to heart the thing that they have to share or what they have to say. I want to suggest today the spirit-filled responses is not one of pride or indifference, but one of humility and one of acceptance. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is a pretty sobering verse if we, if we listen to it for a second here. God opposes the proud. He actually fights against the proud. They are God fighting against someone, against her, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I think when, we, when we're talking about giving grace to the humble, we're not just talking about giving grace in terms of grace for sin, but actually gives grace for life. He gives grace to the humble. He sows in grace to hear the critique and to not be crushed by it. To hear the critique and take it to heart and apply it. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as one, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And sometimes in the Christian world, we'll think about this verse in terms of, yeah, we're together to help each other get better. Maybe, to some degree, yes, but you think about iron sharpening iron. I like to cook, one of my hobbies. And if you're going to cook well, you need sharp knives. I've got a honing steel to sharpen my knives anytime I I cut with them, so I'll use that honing steel to, to cut, sharpen the knife blade every day. And what it does is it sets that blade in, in place. And when I put that, that knife down, that steel, it's not always the most pleasant sound. There's a grating, there's a grinding there. There's tension, there's conflict. And yet what comes out on the other end is a sharp knife. That's the role rest will often play in our lives is to sharpen us, to help us to get better. We talked before about cheerleaders and fans last week and about the need to create boundaries in our relationships with fans and cheerleaders because they have limited impact on our game. So we need to have to allow them limited influence in our lives. With referees, it's a little different. They're a little closer. They're a little more critical, a little more knowledgeable. And so our defensiveness has to, st- has to come down. We have to be willing to hear and to receive what they have to say. So in summary here, respect the referee's expertise. Receive their calls with humility. But don't depend on them for direction. It's good to be humble with the ref's call, but remember, they're not for you or against you. They're only concerned with the rules, so we can't depend on them for direction in what's best with life. Now coaches, so we change gears here, coaches are ones who know your game and they are highly invested in your success. These are people who instruct and train in your life. Uh, Compared to others, like the fans and the cheerleaders, they're wearing your colors, they're on your side, they're cheering you on, they're for you. But unlike the fans and, and cheerleaders, they are highly invested in your game. They're like the refs in that they know the details, they know the rules of the game really well, and they have a very close Look into what you're doing. But unlike the refs, they're for you. There's no neutrality in coaches. 
Coaches are uniquely equipped and motivated to help you become all that you can be. There are a ton of people in this world who are willing to tell you what to do. There's far fewer who are willing to invest themselves so deeply and so much in your life that your success or your failure impacts them. But a coach's best day is when you grow, when you get better. When we win, they win. Coaches see your full potential, and they help you to attain it. See, a good coach sees who you are today and who you might be tomorrow. They see beyond the surface. They understand that, that what they see and they, they encounter you physically and interact with you may not be all that you bring to the table. That you may be more than what you've become. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Back in, into Samuel. Before David was King David, he was just David. He's a shepherd. He's a brother. He's a son. Samuel is a prophet looking to anoint the next king. And he watches as, as candidate after candidate after candidate is brought by him. Strong candidates. Good candidates. People that could be king until he comes to David, the youngest son, a shepherd, far from a king. And here's what Samuel says. Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Right? A coach might help sow in character. Or might sow in skill, but they're also sowing in character. They're concerned more about than more than just one part of your game, but but your whole game and who you're becoming as a person, not just one part of it. I think about Jesus in Matthew four. It says while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A good coach will push you to go farther than you've gone before for your own good. Now, many times a coach will recruit you. In these these, uh, examples, it's Samuel recruiting a new king. It's Jesus recruiting disciples. I've been told that a good coach is one who recruits great players around them. And yet, ultimately, it's up to the player to decide whether or not they will receive the instruction of the coach. This is the first relationship we've talked about in the series where we our choice matters. Where whether or not we receive and open up our lives before a coach matters. And that can be incredibly challenging, but it can also change our lives. Fans just show up for the game. Cheerleaders are just there on the sidelines. The refs, we don't know often who they're going to be until they show up blowing the whistle. Coaches, we have a choice of whether or not we'll receive them. Let me bring this to life a little bit and how this has looked uh, in, in my life. I've got a photo of some mentors for me, some coaches in my world. Just to show you how, how, give you an example of how this plays out in life. Dan on the bottom left is a, was a coach through college. He's a guy I mentioned earlier that had me out moving in freshman. Dan's a guy that I sat in Bible studies with every week where I'd meet him for coffee and I would pick his brain on, on what, what the Bible, but it was where I started reading my Bible. And it was through watching Dan's life that I learned what it looked like to, to love Jesus. It was through Dan's challenges into my life that I learned how to follow him. 
Dan made a, a marked impact on my life in a, in a really pivotal season for me. And I aligned my life with, with his teaching, with his instruction. I would not be the same person today. I, I, I am, if not for Dan. Dan's, one of Dan's best friends in the world is Chris, who's on the bottom right here. It just so happens, I don't believe in coincidences in this, but it just so happens that I went to a ministry out of college called Keynote. It was a music and creative arts ministry. Chris was the national director of this ministry. And so after watching Chris's life for a little bit, I said, you know, Chris, you know Dan really well. I've grown up spiritually, in a sense, under Dan's leadership. Hey, you probably, if you know Dan and you know who he is, you probably know some of what, where I'm strong and some of where I might be weak. Would you help, you know, help mold me? And, and I walked with Chris. Chris walked with me through my first years out of college, through dating Lindsay, through marriage, through having Gavin as a first child. And Chris was there. He did not pull punches. He was willing to communicate hard things with grace. And he was also willing to open up his life to me. I watched him as he, he adopted his fourth child, a little African-American girl. I watched as he walked his 12-year-old son through cancer. And he was transparent with me. Helped me to know what it looked like to follow Jesus through that season of life. I think some of you know the guy on the top left here, uh, Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy recruited me here to the church. And I, when I saw him, I saw a guy who had been following Jesus for a long time, longer than I'd been alive. And I saw a guy who had been a pastor for over 30 years, who knew what it meant to follow Jesus, who had a clarity of, of what was important and what's not. And I thought, I've got some things to learn from this guy. Did he recruit me? Yeah. Did he invite me here? Yes. But it was a choice that I made to receive his instruction and his coaching along the way. Or Jeff Geyer up here is one of our elders now. He wasn't at the time, but Jeff's the guy that I was in intentionally pursued here. And I said, hey, Jeff, you're a guy I've been watching you for a few years now. And I, I see that you love your wife passionately. I see that you lead your children intentionally. I see you, you bringing uh, your faith and your work together in some unique ways in your business? Can we connect regularly? Could we meet? And, and could, I, could I glean some things from you? you know, these, these, these relationships take intentionality. One thing I will say, when you, if you're looking for a coach in your world, one good question, one really important question to ask is what playbook are they playing from? Is, is the Bible a playbook that's influencing their life? Where, but even relationally, where does their playbook come from? What's influencing it? How have they become who they are? And who are they becoming from here into the future? Find a coach whose game is worthy of being watched, worthy of being emulated. Another note on coaches. Coaches want to see you win, but they have limited impact in your game. Coaches want to see you win, but they have limited impact in your game. So a coach is going, to co is going to instruct you, is going to coach you, is going to give you ideas and help you go all day long. And yet at the end of the day, they're not on the field with you. They're not there to live your life, but to equip you with the tools that you need to live life. And your game will only change as you choose to open up before them. Coaches, unfortunately, are not omniscient. 
They are not all knowing, so our openness precedes their impact in our world. And sometimes it takes a willingness for us to submit to their leadership before we can actually start to grow. Sometimes that means submitting to something that we don't totally understand in the moment, trusting that we, we know the person, we know the relationship, and so we trust that it will be effective in the end. i give you an example of that with Jeff I was talking about earlier. I was meeting with Jeff one time a couple of years ago now, and, and I, I was explaining to Jeff that I was feeling emotionally thin. I said, Jeff, I'm a full-time pastor, I'm a full-time husband and father, I'm a full-time seminary student right now, and I just feel like, I feel like my time is not my own. I'm just feeling emotionally thin right now. And he said, he looks back at me and says, okay, I have something I want you to do. Okay. He goes, I want you to play three rounds of golf. I said, Jeff, it's December. <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, I want you to take time. Take, I want you to build in about 12 hours into your schedule. I don't have 12 hours. What are you talking about? He said, he said, round of golf. You have a front nine, you have a back nine. You have about three or four hours that are structured time where you know you're going to be on the course. You know where you're going. You know where you're going to drive to get there. You know about how you're going to structure that time. It's going to, it, how that's going to go. You have a strategy for how you're going to approach that. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend, I want you to play a round of golf with your daughter Allison. I want you to play a round of golf with your son, Gavin. I want you to play a round of golf with your wife, Lindsay. At this point, I've cued into the fact that he wasn't talking about golf. (laughs) He said, I want you to be intentional. I want you to plan out, to set aside time, be intentional with that time, walk in with a plan, know what you're doing, and and invest that time. And I said, I don't know where I'm going to find this time, but okay. And I put it into action. I met with him the next month, and I said, Jeff, I feel... Full again. How'd that happen? What he had done was he had listened to me talking and through the, the mix of that had seen there was an, an emotional gauge in my life that was low. And he had the insight to see that that was low. He'd had the courage to challenge me on it and to give something practical, uh, some practical instruction. And then he had accountability to follow up and say, have you done this? And it affected my world. It affected my family's world in that season. It was a good thing. God has put coaches in your world and in your life. Ephesians 4 says, He himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He's made some to be coaches in your world. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for your encouragement and your good, God has called some to be coaches around you. This is a relationship of trust. Trust takes time. This isn't an overnight relationship. It might be a one a, a step of, of faith to enter into that relationship or define some things, but it's a relationship that takes time. Trust is built over time as we say what we do and do what we say. This is a relationship of trust. It's a relationship of openness. Again, our, our transparency before a coach will precede their greatest impact on our life. And their transparency before us is often how we'll learn some of the greatest lessons. I'd much rather learn from someone else's failures than make the same failure again my own on my own. 
It's a relationship of respect. If you don't respect a coach in your life, you're going to glean little from them. If you don't respect a coach in life, it's time to find another coach. And this is a, a relationship of submission as well. It's one where we actually are willing to put into place some things that a coach asks us to do that might not be comfortable, but that we trust is for our good. Last word about coaches here. With trust and openness, with respect and submission, a coach will help you go farther than you ever thought you could. Let me ask the, the band to come forward here. And as we're, we're wrapping up here, I want to say one, one more thing about these, these guiding relationships in life. Uh, these kind of guiding relationships, anytime that we are putting someone in a position to guide us, there's a certain measure of risk that comes along with it. And guiding relationships can get sideways in a way that can hurt at times. I was, uh, I was thinking back to when I was in high school, I was playing, uh, I was playing soccer. And our, our team was doing really well. We were sixth in the state uh, of Delaware. That's like the size of Lucas County, but you get the picture. We were, our team was doing really well. We were playing one of our rivals, another great team. And I was defending a, a guy, an attacker on the other team that could just fly. And I was defending him down the sideline. He crosses over the line and kicks the ball back into bounds. The ball bounces off the inside of our goalkeeper's legs and back into the goal. The referee that should have seen the ball go over the line was out at half field somewhere. I don't even know where he was. He couldn't. He was not in a place that he could make the call. And that team won one nothing. That game we lost. I was thinking about another another time uh, playing for a coach uh, I had known for for years. I've been playing under around, and uh, one year came up and he posted the team of who made the team. My name wasn't on that list. Got cut from the team. Man, that hurt. You know, sometimes we invest our, our lives into a, and a coach is investing in us and, and we move away. Location changes and something falls through. Here's the thing. A relationship with a referee that goes sideways can, can wreck a game. A relationship with a coach that goes sideways might wreck a season. But the absence of those refs and those coaches in your life can wreck your life. God has placed those people around you to help you become who he's made you to be. And a player without a referee is a player that is not on the field, who's removed themselves maybe too far from the game. And it's safer. There's no one to blow the whistle maybe, but there's also a lack of impact and purpose that's there. A player with no coaches around them is a player that has stunted their potential and will only grow as far as that player can grow in their own strength. We need coaches around us to see our potential beyond what we can see ourselves. We need coaches who are equipped and courageous enough to challenge us to become more than we are today. Who see within us what we might not even see ourselves yet and are invested deeply enough in us to help us get better. Let me challenge you today. For some of us, uh, we're, we're in a spot where we've got great coaches in our lives. Where we've got people that are playing these roles. And if that's where you're at today, my encouragement to you this week is let them know that. 
uh, one of my, the best parts of my week this past week was those four guys, among others that I was thinking about and didn't talk about here. But one of the best parts of my week last week was going back to some of these guys and saying, hey, you know what? You made an impact in my world. I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for your impact. Fun conversations to have. Encouraging them on their influence. Celebrating what God did through them. Let me also encourage you with this. If you're in a position today where you're playing the game alone, where you don't have those coaches or those refs around you, let's pray for God to bring those into life or bring those to light around you. Look for who those people are that God may be positioning around you for such a time as this to help you to grow. And maybe today's the day to take that, that step of faith to invite someone out for coffee and say, hey, is there any chance I could glean from what's going on in your world? Is there any chance you could help me to become more of who I want to be? We have life groups and small groups and classes around the church that are full of people like that. We have a mentoring ministry, a Stephen ministry that, that are full of people like that. And maybe today is the day, the day to take a step. Let's trust God to do incredible things with our lives to help us become who he's made us to be. And to position the relationships around us in a way that helps us to get there. A minimal number of people can make a maximum impact in your life. A minimal number of guiding relationships can have a maximum impact. So choose them wisely. We're going to close here in prayer. And as we do that, uh, and as we go to sing our last song, if we can pray for you along these lines, if you'd be so bold as to bring something before us, our elders, myself, will be up here to pray with you, whether it's about this or something totally different going on in your world today. But let's, uh, let's go before God in prayer. Lord, we love you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would be opening up our lives to see uh, what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, position, help us to position coaches around us that will help us to become what you've called us to be. Help us to heed the advice and the counsel of referees. Lord, we trust what your word says today, that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. And so by faith, God, we ask that you would help us to be to live with humility to receive the wisdom and the counsel, to hear those whistle calls when they come and heed them. God, not to try to walk through this alone. God, I pray your guidance in the, in, in for your leadership among us. And Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand and worship together.